how that you and I can live a stress-free life. Now, I understand that stress is all around us, and certainly I've been stressed before in my life. And so I'm not up here preaching to you out of a perfection that I'm trying to establish myself on a higher level than you. But I have learned some things on how not to cope with stress. You know, the world would tell you you've got to cope with it. I believe that we can overcome it. And I believe that we can put stress under our feet and that we can keep it under our feet. Amen? Amen. Say it with me. I am way too blessed blessed to start being stressed stressed right now. now. So now we're going to look at the life of Jesus and we're going to look at seven things that Jesus said that will help us as people of God to live free from stress. It's a It's a journey we're going to take. It's not a long journey. So how many of you agree with me today for utterance? And you agreed that you'll receive the word. So, Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn me to John chapter 8, and let's look at verse 12, if you would. John chapter 8, verse 12. The first principle that I want to talk to you about in living free from stress is the principle of identification. It is knowing who you are. Jesus said in John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Now, when you think about all the times that Jesus said, I am, I mean it several times in the Gospels. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He said, I'm the door, I am the bread of life. He absolutely knew who he was. He said, I am the light of the world. Of the world. He had no identity crisis like a lot of people in the world and some Christians have today. There are people that are seeking the New Age movement. They're looking for tarot cards. They're wanting their palms to be read. They're going to all sort of ologists, whatever kind of ologist they may be, to figure out who they are. Well, I've got the cure for finding out who you are. The cure is in the Bible. The Bible very clearly tells you who you are, what you have, and what you can do in Christ Jesus. You see, the Word of God doesn't say that you are an old worm and that you barely got saved by grace. Now, I'll agree. We all were kind of wormy at one time. And yes, we did get saved by grace, but we're no longer what we were. We are now a new man, a new person in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. See, we are not unworthy any longer because he was made sin for us who knew no sin. Then we might be made, thank God, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You see, the Bible tells you who you are. All you've got to do is look into this glorious, perfect law of liberty. And this law of liberty will paint a clear picture of who you are, what God says you are, what you can do in Christ Jesus. Amen? And this perfect law of liberty then brings us into a place of freedom. Amen? You are free to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah! You do not have to... Find your soulmate. You don't have to find your soulmate to, you know, to complete you. My Bible says that I'm already complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and power. Amen? 
I'm not looking for someone to complete me. Thank God I've got a wonderful mate and a wonderful wife. But I am who I am by the grace of God. I am not who she made me to be. She helps me to be all that I am. But you are not who you are by someone else's idea of who you should be and what you could be. You are who you are by the grace of God and what you have in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. So, number one, the principle of identification. And so when you... Get a revelation by looking into the Word of God. Praise God, you'll be sure-footed and able to live above above strife. Secondly, amen, above stress. Secondly, turn with me to John chapter 5. And I want us to look at verse 30. John, the fifth chapter, and we look at the 30th verse. Simple truth today, guys. He says, look, I can't of my own self, I can't do anything. I can relate to that. Without him, we can't do nothing. But as I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but I am seeking the will of him who sent me. So the second principle we want to talk about is the principle of dedication. The principle of dedication. In other words, no who you are trying to please. You cannot please everyone. You cannot please man. Amen? Do your very, very best to be a good guy and to be a nice person. But when the dust settles, there's always going to be someone that's going to criticize you. There's always going to be someone that disagrees with you. You know, I don't have any problem with people that disagree with me. They're just wrong, that's all. No, 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 no. I've been wrong plenty of times. So have you. But the fact of the matter is, you and I can disagree without becoming disagreeable. Amen? So, people are going to criticize you. People are going to try to condemn you. They're going to try to fit you into their mold. But the mold that you belong in is the mold that God designed for you. And God has got an awesome mold for you. Mold for you. Matter of fact, the Bible says that you're His workmanship. You know what the word workmanship means, don't you? The word workmanship means you're the handiwork of God. Oh, thank you, Lord. I think one translation says you are his masterpiece. Understand this, that your life is a piece of the master. Hallelujah. And you're created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that you and I should walk in them. So the path that God has designed for you might be the path different from the path that he designed for me or other people. But you know what? There's no one that can fulfill your place in this earth. There's no one that can fill the plan of God in this earth like you can. And not only has he given you a purpose and a plan, but he's also given you the grace to walk in it. Oh, that's awesome. And so every day we ought to dedicate our life to the Lord afresh and anew. I'm not talking about being religious and getting into this hyper-repenting mode, you know. But I'm talking about just on bended knees, say, Lord, I dedicate my will to your will. Not my will, God, but your will be done. Not my plan, but your plan be done. I dedicate myself to you. And when you do that, he's going to help you fulfill what he's called you to do. And you know something? That'll please the Lord. 
that'll please the Lord. It may not please everybody, but when you please him, you know what? He'll even make his enemies to be at peace with you. When a man's ways please the Lord, say it with me, I always do those things that please the Lord. And when a man's ways please the Lord, he'll, he'll make your enemies to be at peace with you. Now, that doesn't mean that your enemies are going to love you anymore. That doesn't mean that your enemies are always going to agree with you. But what it means is your enemy will not be able to penetrate your life, will not be able to bring you down because you've got the favor of God on you, in you, all around you, and you're walking in the bubble of the glory of God. Amen. So number two, the principle of dedication. Number three, turn with me to John chapter 8, and let's look at verse 14. See, that'll, that'll take stress out of you. That'll keep you from getting involved in that one book, The Search of Significance. I think it was becoming an approval addict. You know, just trying to please everyone. That gets exhausting. I mean, as a minister, it just gets... You know, in the early years, it just got exhausting trying to please everybody. Finally, I got a revelation. Ding! Hey, please God, and everything will be all right. Amen. Now, in John chapter 8, in verse 14, here's something else the Master said. Are you ready? Would you please read? Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whether I go, but you cannot tell whence I came and whether I go. So notice this with me. Here's the thought. Jesus knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. Okay? So this would be what I would like to call the law or the principle of organization. Amen? Know where you came from. And know what you're trying to accomplish in your life. Get some goals. Don't just go through life sort of aimlessly and que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. If you adopt that attitude in your life, the devil will see to it that some things that shouldn't be are. So I believe in vision. I'm a strong believer in vision. Vision is the ability to see. Vision is the ability to understand and have revelation of what God has for you. You see, it is your picture of the future. And the Bible says that when there's not a vision, here's what happens. When there's no vision, the people perish. Well, you don't want to perish. I don't want to perish. So I must have a vision, not only for the local church here, but I've got to have a vision for my life. I must set some goals for my life. One of the greatest goals that I've set for my life is to be more like Jesus. One of the other goals that I've set for my life is to be a gracious person and a gracious man of God. But I have other little goals that I won't talk to you about because quite frankly, it's not your business. Unless the Lord gave me liberty to share about them. But you see... Have a goal so that you can aim for something. I like what Buddy Harrison used to say. You need to plan your work and then work your plan. You see, when your heart is aligned with his heart, you can understand that the plan of God will always be good. 
If you delight yourself in the Lord, he's going to give you the desires of your heart. How many of you got some desires down here? I mean, deep down in your heart. Well, glory to God. Get those desires on paper. Start getting organized. You see, good organization and preparation in your life reduces stress. Okay? Preparation prevents pressure, but procrastination produces it. Anybody ever procrastinated about something? I've discovered this because I've procrastinated on some things. But the longer that I've put something off, (laughs) the more under pressure about it I get. Okay? So here is the principle of organization. Know what you want to accomplish. All right? Have clear goals and that will simplify your life. I encourage you to spend a few minutes every day and think about what you're going to do during the day. Brenda and I, we have coffee in the morning down in our family room. Amen? I finally got Brenda to drink some caffeine. The only thing I don't like about it is when it kicks in quicker on her than it does me. Because she's miles ahead of me. And I say, slow down, let me take another pull. Hallelujah. Okay, here we are. No, seriously. We have great talks. We have great fellowship. We're in love with one another. You know, we've been married almost 35 years. Do we always agree with everything? Absolutely not. But sooner or later, I find out I'm wrong always. No, so you can imagine, you know, pastoring a church of, you know, close to a thousand people and having a staff of 12 or 13 people and all these different teams and different things. You can imagine how much, you know, organization that takes. And uh, how much planning it takes. And I'm so thankful that I've got a tremendous staff around me. I've got wonderful people around me that where I'm weak, they're strong. And where they're weak, you know, we can be strong. Okay, so we, we complement one another. We don't compete. But still, there's, there's a lot of things that Brenda and I need to talk about. So that we can share the vision and, and, and talk about things that we see and things that we want to happen in the church. That takes an enormous amount of time. But you know what? We're not going on the energy of the flesh. We're going on the energy of the Holy Spirit. And we're going on the energy of the wisdom of God. And so get God involved in your organization. See, the Bible says, in all your ways acknowledge Him. And He'll direct your paths. You know, one of my prayers that I pray every day, you know, I take uh, the, the Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Amen. And uh, lead, lead me not into temptation, deliver me from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, I, I adopt that prayer model as my, my daily prayer time. I don't get legalistic about it, but it just kind of helps me. Yeah. What works for me may not work for you. But I've discovered that within that prayer model, you can still be led by the Spirit about what you pray for in that time of prayer. I said all that to say this. I get down to that part. And sometimes I'll pray while I'm on a treadmill or while I'm doing a elliptical or laying in bed, whatever. But I'll say, Lord, give me this day. My daily bread. And I'm not just talking about, you know, fajitas and, you know, 
We don't want to go there yet, I guess. By the way, is that lady here that I owe two dollars? Okay. I still don't have it. Brenda's got it. You got to get her. <laughs> Give me this day my daily bread. Okay. Lord, I really need your wisdom. I really, I really, really need your wisdom. See, the Bible says if, if you lack it, ask for it. And it will be given to you. And the scripture says that he's made unto us wisdom. So the wisdom of God's on the inside of me. So, Father, I need your plan. Give me your strength. Give me your wisdom to do your perfect will this day in whatever I face. Amen? And it's just amazing when you pray that, all of a sudden, out of, your, out of the abundance of the heart, the wisdom of God starts flowing. And so get God involved in your schedule. Get God involved in your daytime. Amen? And I believe that He will direct your steps. You see, it's true that the steps of a good man, what are they? They're ordered of the Lord. So, number three, it is the principle of organization. Number four, turn with me to Luke chapter 4, verse 42. And this is all from the life of Jesus. Luke chapter 4, verse 42. I think Jesus is well worthy to be preached about, don't you? I mean, after all, he did go to the cross for us. He did rise over death, hell, and the grave for us. Ready, read, please. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place. And the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him that he should not depart from them. So get the picture here. Everybody's pulling on Jesus. Okay? Has anyone ever experienced a day, a week, or a month in their life where it seemed like there were so many pulls? I mean, from every direction. And certainly legitimate pulls. But legitimate pulls are not, only, are not always priority pulls. Are you listening to me? You've got to determine under God and by His Word what His key priorities are for your life. Now, there's always going to be divine interruptions. There's always going to be uh, things that need immediate attention. But oftentimes, it is a trick of the enemy to get you off course. You do know this, that there are people that can literally drain the life out of you. I mean, to the point where once you get done in that particular area, when it gets time to do the will of God and the plan of God, you're not focused enough. So this next principle is what I would call the principle of concentration. It is true, my brothers and sisters, there is required on our part some focus. Are you listening to me? They said, Master, why don't you just stay here a while? But the principle of concentration, knowing what your priorities are, will help you stay focused and it will relieve a lot of stress in your life. You know, basically, I have boiled my little life down to three major priorities. Number one, my relationship with Jesus. My relationship with the Father. And I'm not talking about being a pastor. See, I have identified this, that I am not who I am because I'm a pastor. I am who I am as a child of God. Because when the day comes for me to stop pastoring, if that ever comes, then I'm not going to be left twiddling my tongues, uh, my thumbs, 
speaking in tongues, trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. I know what I'm going to do with my life because I'm a child of God. I'm going to live my life for him every day of my life, whether I ever get in a pulpit again in my life. So don't let your job define who you are. Don't let your past define who you are. Amen. Just let that sink. Don't let anyone tell you who you are, but let the word speak for itself. So basically three priorities, my relationship with Jesus Christ, my relationship with the father. Secondly, my relationship with this beautiful woman sitting on the front row that I've been married to almost 35 years. See, I've got to keep both of those intact. Amen? Because if one of them goes south, then the next priority as being a pastor of this wonderful local church will not be effective. Are you listening to me? How many times do people lose focus in their lives because they allow a job to replace their marriage? Years ago, a good friend of mine, been in this church many times. If I said his name, you'd, you'd recognize it, but I won't use his name today. Basically came home and he was just working, 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 working in the ministry. And he came home one afternoon, just kind of carefree and free. And she looked at him and said, you have a mistress. He got very defensive. No, I don't. I'm not an adulterer. I don't have a mistress. She said, yes, you do, and it's your ministry. Come on, let's break it down now. We're all in the ministry. But oftentimes people put their work above their children, their work above their wife. It's like this one pastor never took a vacation in his entire life of ministry. Never. Can you imagine? Just never having a vacation. And finally one year they said, well, we're going to take a vacation. They got the kids loaded up in the car. And they were heading out of town. They were all happy. They were singing. Then he got a call from someone at the church in a crisis situation. Turned the car around, unpacked his bags, left his kids and his wife at home, and went to take care of the crisis and canceled their vacation. I ask you, is that right? Some of you aren't convinced. I'm going to ask you again. Is that right? Absolutely not. There is an important part of your life. Get your priorities right and concentrate and stay focused on those things. Hallelujah. Say good preaching, Pastor. And this will flow right into the next one. It is the principle of delegation. Turn me to Mark chapter 3, verse 14. Now, this shows us the next reason that Jesus wasn't pressured by the situations around him. It shows us why he was calm. Look at this. Here's what he did. Ready, read. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. This is the principle of delegation. Know who you are. Know who you want to please. Know what you're trying to accomplish. 
Focus on one thing at a time and don't try to do it all by yourself. See, one of the reasons that we get under stress and lose our joy and lose our peace is because we think that everything depends on us. But let's follow Jesus. What do you say? Are you opposed to following him? What did he do? He delegated his work. He involved other people in his life. Now, here's what I've discovered. And I don't sit here and brag on me, but I brag on Jesus. I believe that by the grace of God, Heart of the Bay Christian Center is a success story. I mean, beyond any shadow of a doubt. No matter whether you like me, whether you hate me, whether you like my wife or dislike my wife, this is a success story. God's done some awesome things in this place. And to Him be the glory. Now here's what I found out. The more successful that you are in your life, the more opportunities for stress you'll have. Why? Because success brings stress. You say, no, pastor, that's a bad confession. Well, who made you the confession cop? (laughs) People have this idea, no, no, no. Now, stress means having everything you want and everything is cool and calm. What world are you living in? (laughs) Success means greater responsibility. And greater responsibility means more opportunities for stress. And so you've got then to learn the art of delegation. Everyone say delegation. Delegation. Isn't that what Moses did? His father-in-law said he was doing. He said, you stay that way, Moses. You're going to burn out. You're not going to be good to anybody. Your ministry is going to be over with. You're done for. Here's what you do. You know, Moses was a smart man. He listened to what his father-in-law said. And he delegated the authority to captains over this and captains over that. That's why I'm so thankful for this church. You know, we have emerging leaders rising up in this place. And we have current leaders that are being trained right now. We're delegating ministry to them. Because long after Brenda and I go home to be with the Lord, should Jesus tarry, this ministry will continue. Because this ministry is not built on man. This ministry is built on the man, Christ Jesus. Amen? Now, here's the problem. The problem is, is people that have difficulty delegating have this attitude. Well, really, nobody can do it as good as I can. And after all, you know, Pastor Mark, if you want a job well done, you better just do it yourself. I submit to you this morning, that's not logical. Why? Because there isn't enough time for me or you to do everything ourselves that needs to be done. Amen? And then number six, real quickly today. Sure, turn with me to Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Are you getting anything today? Stress-free living. Stress-free living by following the example of Jesus Christ. And I want to spend a few more minutes with this one because... This one is so, so very important to our lives. Amen? In Mark chapter 1 and the 35th verse, notice with me, and if you'd read please, And in the morning he rose up a great while before day, and he went out into a solitary place, and there worried. What did he do? He went into a solitary place, and what did he do? 
he prayed. What did he do? He kept his connection. He stayed connected with his source. He stayed connected with the God of all solitude. He stayed connected with the God of all peace. He went out into a solitary place. And I believe that everyone listening to me today needs to have a place that you can go to and you can live in a place of solitude and you can practice the principle of meditation. It might be your prayer closet at home. I know in past years when I've had relatives stay at my house, you know, I love my relatives. But, you know, after a few days, enough is just flat enough. And you're laughing, but really they feel the same way about you. (laughs) Isn't that right? And I haven't gotten religious about this, but I like to stay connected. And so... What I would do sometimes is I would just get out in my automobile and I'd drive to a park and I would start praying and start fellowshipping with God. Why? Because I sensed myself losing my connection. See, Jesus modeled for you and I stress-free living by the principle of meditation, by the principle of solitude. What the Psalms calls it it, is Selah time. And Selah time means pause and think calmly about. Amen. Now, how many of you have ever been on a a real important phone call? And uh, your bars were low. (laughs) And you were just about to hear something that you really needed to hear and you lost your connection. Okay, Or how about this? You've been on your computer. And you were just about ready to make that order. It's Christmas time and you're ordering all your stuff online. Just about ready to make that order. Right? Just about to do something really, really important and you lose your connection. What happens? You get frustrated. You get upset. And maybe say some things about that computer no Christian should say. You know. But you see, when we lose connectivity in the natural realm, we get frustrated. And this is what happens to us spiritually. When we allow the cares of this life to mount up in our lives, when we allow the things of this world to bog us down, we lose our connection. And all of a sudden, things that didn't bother us last week really bug us today. Where nothing would irritate us in the past. Now we're really irritated and we're getting offended. And we're letting our flesh dominate us. Why? Because we've lost our connection. And I I tell you, this is probably one of the most important things and points of this whole message. We must keep and maintain the union. Keep and maintain the connection. Because quite frankly, we cannot go through this life without being connected. Amen. Amen. You see, there comes in that place of solitude, there comes in that place of meditation, a glorious exchange. 
I really don't know how to describe it other than this. They that wait upon the Lord. Lift your hands up and just worship Him for a moment. Oh, We worship you, Lord. They that wait upon the Lord. The Bible says they shall renew their strength. That word renew in the Hebrew means exchange. You exchange your strength for His strength. You exchange your ability for His ability. And then all of a sudden, His super comes on your natural. And from that place of meditation, you're able to face this life with a sense of victory. You're ready to tackle it. Some of you, and I don't mean it wrong because I love you, some of you have lost your connection. You've lost your edge with the Lord. You've allowed things into your life that quite frankly should be laid aside. The Bible says lay aside those weights and the sin which does so easily beset you. Because God is saying to you this morning, I've got a race that is set before you. And this race is a glorious race. And I want you to be able to finish your course. And not for your course to finish you. So the Holy Spirit is saying, take time to wait on me. If you're disconnected, the good news is, is you can be reconnected. Amen? You can be reconnected. Have some time with the Lord. The Bible talks about meditation. Meditation is simply pondering on and thinking about Him. But then there's also the privilege of prayer. You know, in the natural realm, our batteries get low, don't they? And that's why He says, but you, beloved... Building up yourselves on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. He said, if you pray in the Holy Spirit, your understanding is unfruitful. But oh, when you pray in the Spirit, glory to God, you speak divine secrets to Him. And when you pray in the Spirit, there comes a charge from heaven to your spirit man. And friends, that's the only way to live. You want to be stress-free? Get over in the presence Get connected and stay connected and you'll live fear-free, stress-free, and you'll be full of peace. But not only peace, you'll be full of joy. Come on, somebody. Oh, hallelujah. So a quiet time can be a stress decompression chamber, the principle of meditation. And last but not least, turn quickly to Mark chapter 6, verse 30. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Spirit in this place today. I sense in my spirit that people are going to come up and come out of that area of stress and worry and they're going to be reconnected with God. This one is an awesome one. And this one is one I have no problem with. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told Him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Notice with me in verse 31. Ready? Read. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest for a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. How many have ever been there? This is the principle of relaxation. Jesus basically said, Hey, let's grab some in and out burgers and go to the desert. I have scripture for a palm desert vacation. Hallelujah. 
What did Jesus do? He'd go to the mountains. He'd go to the desert. Because Jesus was 100% man, but he was also 100% God. And he knew that he needed to rest himself and his disciples needed rest as well. Listen very carefully. The Sabbath was made for man. Man was not made for the Sabbath. It is a law and it is a principle in the Word of God that during the course of a week, you ought to have a day of rest. A day where you're not thinking about the office. A day where you're not having to go here and do this and do that. There needs to be some rest and refreshment in the people of God so that they can sustain what God has got for them and they can do the plan and will of God. I know I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. So I'm not going to stop yet. The better you say amen, the shorter I preach. Oh boy, everybody wants to go home now. All right. (laughs) I understand. I get you. Take time to enjoy your life. Take some time. Rest and recreation and relaxation are so important to life that God put it in the Ten Commandments. Along with do not steal, do not kill, do not have other gods before me. So life, dear friends was meant to be enjoyed, not just endured. He says, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. After all, the book of Proverbs says, it's better to have loafed and lost than never to have loafed at all. Take it easy. Get yourself a hobby. Chill out. Boy, some of you just don't like that. They're too stressed. (laughs) Find something to do that you can enjoy. In closing, God says enjoy a hobby. Enjoy life. That's what I've come for. Amen? See, the Bible says He's given you richly all things to enjoy. We live in the most beautiful state in in the country. If you think Kansas is, I'm going to pray that. Listen to this take on Psalm 23. The Lord's my pace setter. I shall not rush. He makes me to stop and rest for quiet intervals. He provides me with images and stillness which restore my serenity. He leads me, in, he leads me always in paths of efficiency through calmness of mind. And His guidance is peace. Even though I have a great many things to accomplish this day, I will not fret for His presence is here. His timelessness, His all importance will keep me in balance. He prepares refreshment and renewal in the midst of my activity and by anointing my mind with the oils of tranquility. Listen to this. My cup of joyous energy overflows. Such harmony and effectiveness shall be the fruit of my hours. I'll walk in the pace of my Lord, and I'm going to dwell in heaven forever.